And welcome to the Richard Rand Show. Thanks for tuning in. Those of you who tune in every Wednesday live here on Facebook at 5 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time and about to go into Daylight Savings Time and also then posted to podcasts including the Google platform and others such as Spotify, Richard Rant's show. Thank you for joining me today. I've got quite a few things to discuss and I will also be taking a look at my commentaries. I will also get a phone call on the second half of my show today at about 5.35 and that will be from a previous caller named Lisa Grace. I'm looking forward to that call. Last time we had a very good discussion about introducing compassion into our political analyses and discussions. And that's something that is decidedly lacking, especially on our social media feeds. Um, Lisa Grace has a degree in performing arts and psychology, explorations of kink and tantra, a master's of divinity in sexuality and religion, and offers private sessions for shadow integration and awakening using neuro-linguistic programming. Neuro-linguistic programming is very interesting because that is a way of communicating using sort of subliminal cues that reside beneath our conscious perception, but influence our thought. And in fact, that sort of makes me want to ask her more about neuro-linguistic programming. Is this a form of manipulation? I don't think that she would characterize it thus. But the use of language and how we discuss things with each other is a rich topic. And in these times when we seem to have so much trouble communicating with each other on a mutually acceptable basis without falling into blaming and using cues that are more emotional. It is definitely worth looking into. But let me get down to some of the substance of what I'll talk about today. I do talk about politics and about what's going on in politics and how we can interpret it, trying to go on the best facts, using fact-checking, multiple sources, logical steps for those of us who want to have an objective and reality-based as possible view of what's going on. And I do this from a left-wing perspective tempered by compassion, humanistic thought, because I care about humanity, and ultimately I would like what is best for humanity. At the same time, like all of us, I want what is good for me. And I've used the analogy of being in the plane, they tell you to put on your face mask, your oxygen mask if needed before you put on your children's oxygen mask. Why? Because although you may prioritize your children, 
If you don't put yours on, you won't be able to help them. That's true. But how far does that analogy go? Because if, if you were to just put on your oxygen mask and then fail to put on your children's oxygen mask or wait too long, that might not be beneficial. But maybe that's stretching the analogy too far. So on a health perspective, we've got record highs for COVID. I think you've all been reading the news. And if you look at the map of the COVID infections throughout the country, the per capita rate, the map shows, it almost reflects the map of red states and blue states, red counties and blue counties. Coincidence? No, I don't think so. Because the blue counties, the counties that perhaps tilt more towards the Democrats, also happen to be, through no coincidence, the counties where people actually believe in science. And if you believe in science, and if you believe in the best medical information obtained worldwide, the scientific consensus, the consensus of experts in the field, and you follow their precautions, then what do you know? You wind up with a lower COVID rate. And people say, but look, in Europe, they did everything right. Well, after the beginning, they did everything right. And yet, look at their COVID rate. It's really high. Well, they're having a second wave. But their wave would be a lot higher if they hadn't done everything right, the way the U.S. did. The U.S., which bungled, bungled the response to the COVID emergency. And that is why the United States has the highest per capita deaths, the highest per capita infections, the most infections in the world right now. I am fortunate to live in San Francisco, which is a bubble of humanitarian and progressive thought where people here actually do think rationally and will take the best scientific approach to protecting ourselves and our communities. And that is why out of all the major cities in the United States, San Francisco is doing the best at fighting this crisis. And the rest of the country is flailing and at its worst. And of course, the liar grifter in chief out there in the White House, out there campaigning in super spreader event after super spreader event, he himself a super spreader of COVID, declares the emergency over, declares COVID defeated right at the height of infections. Typical, typical of the liar in chief. I don't even want to dwell on it. It's the same old, same old. But the amazing thing, the incredible thing, is that in less than a week is election day. I've already put in my ballot. And I already tracked it too. I walked it down to City Hall last week. And then I tracked it the day before yesterday online. And it's already been counted. I'm so lucky. Again, I'm sorry for all of you people who don't live in San Francisco. Because everywhere should be more like here. Because we do have a caring government. You know, it's, it's basically... It's pointless for a Republican to run for office here. And I'm not in favor of one party system. 
but I'm certainly in the favor of a no Republican party system because, hey, they are the party of the rich and the racist. It's just how it is. So COVID at record highs, president declares it over, the vice president's staff is infected. Most likely he's infected too. You know, he's out there super spreading too. And then yet another despicable, disgusting police murder of an innocent black man takes place in Philadelphia, Walter Wallace, a father. And I saw the story on Democracy Now! today. You might want to check it out. And what really wrenched my heart was when at a statement, his young son, now fatherless, made a statement about how the racist white cops killed his dad. And it's heart-wrenching. It's heart-wrenching to see a young, beautiful young child um, children, their father taken away like that, brutally. And that's just the way it is in this country. That's disgusting. And now there's demonstrations in the streets in Philadelphia, the way there were in Minneapolis after George Floyd was murdered brutally by police, the way we had them in multiple cities where very similar events have happened again and again. This is a systemic problem. It's not some bad, quote unquote, bad apples. It's a systemic racist problem with the police. If you trace the history of the police back, you'll see that it originates in slave patrols. Police are there specifically to oppress the poor and protect the property of the rich because our society is so unequal that an iron fist of fear is required to keep the elite, the rich in power, while the poor suffer. The killer cops of Breonna Taylor were not held accountable. In their grand jury, jurors were not even given the option of indicting for murder. The attorney general lied. The attorney general in Kentucky straight up lied about it. And a couple of jurors have spoken out and the jury recordings have now been released. Daniel Cameron, the Republican prosecutor, revealed as a liar. It's just attempting to leverage this as a Republican prosecutor, the way that, say, Amy Coney Barrett, Brett Kavanaugh, corrupt right-wing judges like that, trying to curry favor with the 
I don't even want to say conservative because they're no longer conservatives on the extreme right wing. They're radicals who actually are overturning precedent and they're radically trying to change our society in the wrong way to make it less egalitarian, less fair. That's what they're doing. You might want to check out Gail King's show on CBS. You check out Mark Lamont Hill on Democracy Now! Talking about the Breonna Taylor situation. But hey, what about some good news? Because part of the problem about inequality is this ultra capitalism that we have in this country. This doggy dog extreme capitalism that we have where there's no social safety net because the capitalists at the top are better off the worse off the workers are. The more desperate and poor their workers are, the more leverage they have at the top the administration of these companies, the CEOs, the labor unions, if they are crushed, then the workers have less of a voice. If the workers are paid less than a living wage, they may have to get a couple of jobs and they're too exhausted to fight their company's executives for fairness or to fight politically. So the more desperate they are, the better it is. That's where the extreme capitalism benefits from oppressing the workers and making them as miserable as possible. And that is what these right-wing judges are for. They're constantly fighting workers' rights on behalf of the rich. The party of the Republicans are the party of the rich to make the rich richer and the poor poorer. That's what they're there for. Oh, but I was going to get to some good news. So the good news is that say what you will about socialism. But what I hear about socialism, and I look at the socialist and yet still with large capitalist segments of their society in Europe, for instance, where they can have capitalism and they also have a strong social safety net. That's a great combination. So that's sort of what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for an extreme sort of communist vision, which didn't really work. I think there's room for some capitalism because yes, there is some motivation for innovation. But the extreme capitalism that we have here is way too much. So some balance between the two, and I think some of those European nations have achieved a pretty good one. I'm looking at Germany, Scandinavia, France. Those are some of the most prosperous ones. England did pretty well. You know, they've got their uh, public health service, which everyone there cherishes because the public health service is huge. 
That's a wonderful thing to have where everyone in the country is covered for health. And it doesn't matter if you have a job or not, you're still going to have health coverage. We need that here. We need Medicare for all right here in the United States. They did the same thing in Canada. It's worked great. U.S. here, we pay the highest costs for medications. Y'all can look it up. The highest cost of all the wealthy countries in the world for all our medications. And it all, that's because these are areas that capitalism should not infringe on. Areas where it is life or death, where it's like profiteering during wartime. If you start to, and this is something that Amazon did right away. As soon as the COVID crisis hit, there's studies done to show that all of a sudden the price of face masks on Amazon jumped, sometimes up to a thousand percent. That's called profiteering in the face of an emergency. Should be illegal. While Jeff Bezos goes ahead along with the other billionaires in this unfair economy, padded their income with multiple more billions in the face of this emergency, while the rest of us suffered and millions of people can't pay the rent and millions of people can't even get enough food to eat. But meanwhile, Jeff Bezos sometimes made more than a billion dollars or a couple of billion dollars in one day. That's more than he can spend in a lifetime. That should not be, that should not be allowed. Because if you cut his fortune in half, he'd still have more than generations could spend in a lifetime. And with that half, we could alleviate probably all the poverty in the United States. That should not be allowed to happen. That cannot be allowed to happen. That's this extreme ultra-capitalism that is too much. And we need to rise against that. But in the meantime, before we do that, we're going to have to elect Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and all Democrats to the House and Senate because we're not going to be able to advance anything unless we can first get Trump out of the White House. Because if we don't, he's going to keep reversing the rights that we have in this country. He wants to be a dictator for life. And if we don't get him out now, he might well succeed. So this is our chance. And I've got my fingers crossed because next Tuesday... We could see it happen. It could be a bright new day. It could truly be morning in America with an ORN instead of morning in America, which we've been doing as the COVID deaths mount here under the Trump wannabe autocracy, dictatorship, griftocracy, kleptocracy. Oh, but the good news in Chile, South America, an overwhelming majority voted to rewrite Chile's Pinochet dictatorship-era constitution to create a new constitution which will be egalitarian. 
and will actually give the people a lot of power. People who suffered horribly under that dictatorship for well over a decade, that dictatorship, not coincidentally, which was supported by the United States, which has tended to support repressive dictatorships in South and Central America. And then they had a oligarchy where the elite attempted to continue their status at the expense, once again, of the people. But through overwhelming popular activism, people in the streets, they forced the Chilean leadership to have a fair election and a fair plebiscite to determine the question of whether to rewrite that outdated constitution, which was rammed through under dictator Pinochet. And this is happening. So this is how people power can turn things around and how I hope that people power is turning things around here in the United States. And the proof will be in the pudding come Tuesday, because what we really need to put the nail in Trump's coffin is an overwhelming, indisputable landslide victory for Biden-Harris and the Democrats. And it could happen. I just don't know. I'm sitting on the edge of my chair. It could happen. Because if there's any doubt, if it goes to the Supreme Court, that's already been stacked by the Republicans. Illegally, unethically, hypocritically. They deny Merrick Garland a nomination, even consideration of that nomination by Barack Obama nine months before his term ended, and then ran through after 60 million people have already voted this nomination of completely unqualified candidate Amy Coney Barrett simply on the basis that they know that her positions are extreme right-wing, that she will support the CEOs and the wealthy against the workers, that she will deny women's rights, LGBTQ rights, this quote-unquote originalist interpretation was not even the interpretation of the Founding Fathers because they recognized that what they were writing could not foresee everything that would happen in the future. And there are numerous quotes by the Founding Fathers, by those who actually wrote the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, that obviously they could not anticipate everything that would happen in the future, and it would have to be interpreted with, through the lens of what goes on in the future, and that's what we've been doing. It's not originalist interpretation. That is complete nonsense. And yet they say it with a straight face. Okay, back to the good news. In Bolivia, former President Evo Morales' political party, MAS, was victorious in their elections. 
So here, an avowedly socialist party won the election after few years of disastrous results of the administration that was running that country. Because during the 14 years that President Evo Morales ran a socialist administration in Bolivia, they had unprecedented growth and prosperity. During the election, much like in the US, his right-wing opposition used violence and intimidation at the polls and elsewhere, and they lost. And they lost so overwhelmingly that even the military heads that normally would be on the side of the right wing have had to make concessions, have had to respond to the people and support their view because it's so overwhelming. And that's what we need in the United States. It needs to be so incredibly an overwhelming rejection of Trump and Trumpism and his toadies, cult of personality in the Republican Party that have failed miserably to protect this country. Such a massive rejection that even the conservatives, and some have already come over, to this side. You look at the ads from the Lincoln Project, former Republicans, former Republican heavy hitters, now heavy hitting against Trump because he he's not a conservative. He's a criminal. And the principles that the conservatives used to say that they abided by are thrown out the window. Trump's the grifter in chief. He's in it for himself. So, okay, those are my good news stories. Stories where in South America we've seen fair elections happen and overturn the status quo, the unequal status quo, start to overturn it and bring it back towards a more egalitarian, humanitarian approach. Those are the good news stories that I've got for you. And I want to see another incredible good news story coming next Tuesday. I want it to just be so obvious that there's no denying it. I want Florida to come through. You know, if Biden wins Florida, it's all over. Trump basically cannot win if Biden wins Florida. Now, Biden can win without winning Florida. But if the Democrats win Florida, it's all over. And that could happen on the first night. And it looks like Texas, 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 Texas could go blue. Wow. That would be huge. That would be huge too. So, you know, we already know California, the biggest state is blue. It's always blue. Love California. So I want that to be the good news story. That would give a beautiful start to 2021. And now, you know, Biden's not the savior, Biden and Harris. But what it does is it gives us a chance because they're not going to send in the heavy hand of the militarized police to stamp out and use every tactic, legal and illegal, 
against those who push for a fair shake for the people. They're not going to do that. And they've got Bernie Sanders standing right next to them. Bernie Sanders, who is my preference. But now I look back and I look at the situation. I think, I still think Bernie Sanders could have won. But also, you know, there's this fear of socialism in the U.S. It's an irrational fear, but there's this fear. And it's easy to play into that fear against Bernie, and it's really hard to play into that fear against Biden. When Trump calls Biden a socialist, Antifa, whatever, it's just like, well, what? Because he obviously isn't. He's a centrist. Well, hey, my first half hour is ending, but I'm due to have a phone call in the second half hour, and hopefully I will get that phone call from Lisa Grace, and I would like to talk to her about neurolinguistic programming because that's one of her areas of expertise. So as we count down the last 10 